0: Good morning, everyone. So my name is Ida, um, and it's a real privilege to be speaking to you this morning, um, and I just want to start by sharing a short uh, personal story of mine. So when I was 18, um, the brother of a close friend of mine was involved in an accident um, and as a result, suffered severe head injuries while well in New Zealand. Um, and I was with my friend when she found out, and I was also with her when her parents came to collect her in order to rush to the airport to go and be with him. And I still remember as they walked out, my friend's mother hugging me and saying, please pray for him, please pray for him. And I did, but I prayed for him a lot. I got other people to pray. Um, And I was desperate to see God heal my friend's brother, not just because um, I cared about him and cared about my friend, but also because I was convinced that if God healed him, then it would lead my friend and her family to know God, because they didn't. Um, But he wasn't healed, and a week after the accident, he passed away. Um, And it took me a long time to come to terms with what happened, because I couldn't understand why God um, wouldn't heal my friend's brother, but also why he wouldn't make the most of what to me seemed like an obvious great opportunity to demonstrate his power, to demonstrate his love for my friend and her family. Because I was convinced that a miracle would prove God's existence to my friend. Now I wonder if you have a similar story or experience. It might not be quite as extreme as that, but maybe you're desperate for someone in your life to know God and you're praying for them, you're praying for a particular situation where you're asking God to intervene or maybe you're asking for God to reveal himself to them because you think if they see God, um, then they'll be convinced. Or maybe you yourself, you're struggling with doubt Um, and you're praying because you think if you see see God move powerfully or see him do something, then that will kind of extinguish your doubt and you'll be more convinced and kind of more more full of faith. Or maybe you're unsure about God, and actually you're kind of questioning the relevance of him to your life, but you think, actually, if I saw him do something, you know, if he healed someone, then I'd be much more convinced of God's existence um, and I'd probably change my mind. So over the next few minutes, I want to unpack the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine, which on face value is uh, quite an unusual one, but um, actually reveals a lot about God's heart for us, but also a lot about the purpose of Jesus' miracles, um, which is why it's, I think, still relevant for us today. So can I ask you to open your Bibles? Um, The um, scripture will also appear on the back. I'm going to look at John chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 6, but first um, I'm going to just set the scene. Uh, So Jesus and his disciples are at a wedding in Cana. Jesus' mother, Mary, is also there. Um, And the wine runs out, which um, back then wouldn't just be kind of awkward or embarrassing, um, because actually back then a wedding celebration would have lasted several days, if not an entire week. And so running out of wine would bring great shame and dishonor onto the family. Um, And Mary is aware of this, and she asks Jesus to do something about it, probably because she knows he can. Um, Jesus is reluctant at first. He kind of says, why is this my issue? Um, My hour has not yet come. But Mary is undeterred and basically tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. So let's read from verse 6. So nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and the disciples believed in him. Now this morning I want to unpack two verses in particular. First, the response of the master of the banquet, verse 11, where he says, you have saved the best till now. See, Jesus turning water into wine isn't just about Jesus being at a wedding and performing a cool magic trick to make everyone happy, but actually what happens at the wedding in Cana is is a sign, and we've heard about that a lot this morning. It reveals something of God, because it shows us that Jesus not only cares about the couple by performing the miracle in the first place, but actually it Beyond that, it tells us, gives us a sight of the abundance, kind of generous heart that Jesus has, because he doesn't just turn the wine into mediocre wine. We read that he turns it into the best wine. And so that is a reflection of God's heart, because God's heart is generous and abundant in love for you. And we know from the Bible that Jesus only does what he sees his Father doing. God's heart is full of generous, abundant love for you, and he wants to give you the best. And then reading on in verse 11, it shows us the purpose and the consequence of what we've just witnessed, as we read that um, as a result of the sign, the disciples believed in him. So notice again that this John using the word sign, not miracle, because it reveals something of God, something that was hidden before. And we read that this event in, in Cana is the first sign of many through which Jesus will reveal his glory. And as an outcome of that, the disciples believe in him. Now, we can be quick to conclude that it is Jesus turning water into wine, which, which is what the disciples kind of convinced them of um, God's uh, existence, uh, just in the same way that um, I believed if God healed my friend's brother, then they would come to know God. But actually, the Bible is full of examples that show us that miracles alone do not and can't actually convince us or anyone else of God's existence. Think about the Israelites in the Old Testament. They witnessed miracle after miracle. Uh, They literally had food falling from the sky, um, but they still built a golden calf and worshipped it. And many of the miracles um, in the New Testament that Jesus performed um, were met with amazement and wonder, but actually the majority of people who saw them, we don't read about an evident change of heart. Um, And also other miracles where Jesus performed, he was then, as a result, asked to leave that area. See, I think we can often look to supernatural miracles to convince us of God's power, his existence, or his love, because we think if we can see him or see his power, then we will be truly convinced, and then our faith will be kind of encouraged and emboldened. Now that's not to say that we shouldn't pray for miracles, and of course we should, and we've talked about this this morning. The Bible tells us that if you're a follower of Jesus, then the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So if we should be praying for miracles, we should be asking for them and seeing them because it's God building his kingdom on earth. But miracles alone cannot be the foundation of our faith. Because if we base our faith on seeing the supernatural or having that latest experience with Jesus, then those are the things that we begin to seek, not Jesus. And ultimately, it is Jesus we need to seek. Knowing Jesus is the foundation of our faith. See, I think the disciples believed in Jesus when they saw him turn water into wine because they had already spent time with him. They had already come to know him. And actually Jesus performing this sign was a testament what they had already started to see by being with him in fellowship. So what does it mean to know Jesus? Um, well for me, knowing Jesus means having a purpose for my life that is greater than that, is what, than that what is directly in front of me. It is knowing that although I couldn't make sense of what happened to my friend uh, and her family, there is a greater to purpose, a bigger picture that I cannot immediately see. And I think this is what the disciples glimpsed when they saw Jesus perform that first sign. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? Have you encountered him? Maybe you do know him, um, and actually you've had a faith for a long time. But for you, you've lost sight of that wonder of Jesus. You've stopped kind of pursuing him earnestly because you've lost sight of that abundant, generous love that God has for you. And so you've stopped asking for things. But wherever you are this morning, I want to challenge you to get to know Jesus again. Because once you truly understand who Jesus is, only then do you truly discover faith. And faith is something that is cultivated daily in the ordinary and the mundane. And no matter how far you are on your journey, there is always more to discover about Jesus. um, And then as a result, your faith will grow. So for me, cultivating my faith means um, reading the Bible in the morning. So recently I've been reading the Gospels because um, I love reading about Jesus um, and, and thinking about how I can kind of imitate him in my life. But cultivating my faith also means reading with others because in fellowship we build each other up. So for me that means being in a small group in this church. And finally, I most encounter Jesus when I serve because I'm called to imitate him as I serve. And so as I serve, I discover more of who Jesus is as I try to live like him. I think if all of us embraced knowing and encountering Jesus first, it would impact our prayer life, it would impact our church, and how we serve our community. We would pray out of joy and love for him and with more conviction and more power. We would build community and fellowship within the church out of an abundant, generous love for one another as we try to imitate Jesus. And finally, we would ultimately serve our community um, much better and with greater love and generosity because our ultimate goal would be to serve God and not ourselves. So I want to ask you again, do you know Jesus? Because I think if all of us really got hold of knowing Jesus, we probably would also see more miracles. Thank you.